Getting out of an abusive relationship early makes a huge difference. And I'm proud to say I did come in as a victim, but I am a survivor. Then I could see my mom. My mom was walking toward us. And I got excited. And I was like, there's my mom. And then he didn't stop. I'm trying to keep it together, I said. I gave in to the tears. And I hated that. It, it's not necessarily the easiest process. It's not necessarily the prettiest process, but it is the most effective process. Like, you can do this. I'm going to tell you 100% you can do this, and you're so worth it to do this. I'm sure losing any child is is a real arrow through your heart. But, but uh, you know, she was, she was great. She was a, a, a friend and a family member and our daughter. It feels just as good the 10th time as it did the first time uh, to have one of your citizens that you're out there protecting walk up and tell you thank you. There is one thing stronger in me than fear, and that's my determination. Welcome. This is Jen Lee, the host of I Need Blue. I came face to face with danger. Now I spend my time giving back to survivors and the heroes that saved us. To listen to previous episodes, visit www.ineedblue.net. I Need Blue can also be found on all of your favorite podcast platforms. The goal of I Need Blue podcast is to have healthy and respectful conversation. I Need Blue does feature graphic themes, violence, abuse, and may not be suitable to all listeners. Some episodes also contain things which may be triggering. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for professional help if you need it. Let's get started with today's episode. Domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women, more than car accidents, muggings, and rapes combined. Every nine seconds in the U.S., a woman is assaulted or beaten. Every nine seconds. What if children are involved? Every year, more than 3 million children witness domestic violence in their homes. How about our communities? Domestic violence costs more than $37 billion a year in law enforcement involvement, legal work, medical and mental health treatment, and lost productivity of companies. Domestic violence takes on many forms, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and intimidation, to name a few. To discuss the specifics of domestic abuse, I have a special guest today, Lori Sutherland from the Women's Center located in Melbourne, Florida. For 10 years, she has been the Director of de Development and committed to creating a safe place for men, women, and children who are victims turned survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Welcome, Lori, and thank you for being here today. Your support is appreciated. Lori will be sharing information at the end of this segment and talk about the resources offered for men and women at the Women's Center. Also, on the resource tab on our website, www.ineedblue.net, 
you can find the contact information for the Women's Center. Today, I have another special, courageous guest, Gail. She is a victim-turned-survivor of domestic abuse. She wants to share her story with you. Gail, thank you for being here today. There are many domestic violence cases which go unreported. By Gail telling her story, we hope it will help some find the courage to come forward. And I know your story today is going to help women and men who can relate to the disturbing details of your situation, living with the day-to-day abuse. In this case, it was dealt to you by your husband. The perpetrator's information is withheld because, quite frankly, the name doesn't deserve any mention. Today is all about you, Gail. The beginning of a relationship is called the honeymoon stage. I think we've probably all experienced it. Can you start by telling us what it was like for you, Gail? How you felt? What actions made you feel special and like you were the luckiest girl in the world? Absolutely. I would start with, um, I met this gentleman and, um, I really thought that he was an answer to all my prayers. My honeymoon, um, lasted for about four and a half years. There was, um, quite the courtship. Uh, didn't see anything, no red flags or anything of that nature. Um, actually, I felt like I, was the princess um, that everybody wants to be. She was the luckiest girl in the whole wide world. He supported me in everything that I did during that time. Um, I enjoyed supporting his career as well. We um, had lots of trips and everything, the admiration and the love notes and all the things that a woman would want, um, I I received every night. before uh, I went to bed because he uh, worked in, would send me a love note uh, with a prayer. And um, so it was just quite the love story. People admired our relationship. So that was my honeymoon. And it was a long one. How long then did you date before you all decided to take the next step? We dated about a year and he was very adamant about this, and then maybe this was a red sign, a red flag, I should say. He was very adamant about getting married. One of my children uh, was ac- children was actually getting married in the same month, and um, I I expressed, you know, that's a lot of wedding to deal with, and and uh, so we went to our to my children and said, do you mind if we get married in the same month? We got married on New Year's Eve. And my my children said, no, not at all. They were getting married early on. But he was adamant about nailing it down um, more so than I was like, let's just wait for it. Um, That should have been a red flag because it was almost like he wanted to tie it all down. All my children were grown. Um, They looked at this gentleman as... um, or lack of gentlemen, um, as um, being mom's savior, so to speak. They knew that they could trust him um, with my well-being. Um, they saw it um, because every, they, even them um, and, and their girlfriends and wives, soon-to-be wives, because they all got married during the, the time that uh, we were married. But um, 
you know, they would say, you know, oh, he just adores you. I mean, the the ground you walk on. And and truly he did during that time. Um, and there was no signs there. So, but my children are, were, um, were all um, grown and on their own. And um, literally during the time um, that, I was married to this person. Uh, we had three weddings and one grandchild during that time. Only when things started to change. I walked in on him in a spare bedroom and he was just beating himself. And I'm not talking about just, you know, thump, thump. I'm talking about tearing himself up. So I got down on his level and I said, you know, what is it? You know, what is it that's bothering you? Um, and he wouldn't tell me, just kept beating himself. So I knew that something wasn't right. I felt like um, maybe we need to go see someone to talk about it. Maybe some meds might be needed because it's not normal to beat yourself like that. So that was the beginning and um, in the end, I realized why he was doing that. So, so it it sounded like for him trying to understand, process, and cope with a traumatic situation that he witnessed uh, was a challenge. And you offered help, Jen. Then I I have to look back. Well, I know it's basically it was the things that he was doing. And I think it got the best of him. So, of course, he couldn't tell me these things, you know. This was just his reaction to deal with what he was doing. So, and that would be infidelity on the job and, and things of that nature. But I wouldn't find, be able to put those pieces together till later on. And then with much counseling, would I be, be able to kind of look at that in a different way, in a different way. So, it, it was a process of um, very much turning as far as aggravation towards me. You know, I made his breakfast, packed his lunch and what have you. And I sat in this big chair where we had big sliders and I, and he, I saw his reflection and he like lifted the middle finger at me. And I thought, what in the world? I mean, and then, you know, I didn't say anything, got up, you know, and I love you and have a great day. And so I'm thinking, okay, so what's going on here? Um, but as it progressed and it progressed quickly, there became, um, more verbal abuse. And then again, those of, um, you who are going through this or have gone through this, then you get the letter the next day or the flowers the next day. I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. I didn't mean it. Um, those type of things. So, um, and that was just the beginning of, uh, so, it just got worse from that point. And um, I, I think they consider that gaslighting. So, um, and that's something that I learned again through counseling. Um, and uh, of course, I didn't know what that was. I was trying to understand and trying to figure it out myself um, all through the whole thing. But, um, and, and also I kept thinking, you know, he needs some kind of mental mental help. And here's an example of that as well. Um, now this has nothing about abuse, but it made me click into maybe he has issues from his past. Um, he was well into three figures and I had bought some hand towels and I kept telling him, you know, you can use the hand towels. And he said, no, I'm not allowed to do that. And he said, my mom used to pretty much beat me if I use those hand towels. I said, it's your money. You're a grown man. It's your home. So in the back of my mind, I thought, okay, we have issues. And, and that's why I was thinking maybe some um, mental health counseling. 
my biggest thing is I took my vows seriously. So why I'm telling you this is I always, I felt I had one wing that was flapping like I shouldn't be treated this way. But then I had another wing behind me saying for better, for worse, sickness and in hell. So. Did you at times when you didn't feel so good about the situation, look back and say to yourself, okay, I know what it, I know what we had. I know what he's capable of. So I'm, I'm just going to wait, you know, he's having some bad days, bad situation, but I know the man he was is going to come back and we're going to have that great relationship again. Absolutely. And in between the episodes, it would be that way. So it was very, your mind is going in all kinds of directions and um, there would be great days and then there would be not so great days. And, um, and then you have to realize I raised three sons to never, ever touch a woman. And um, then the physical, we haven't gone into that yet, but um, it started, the physical started. And again, then we have the, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do it again. And every night I have a prayer sent to me about how much he loves me and thank you, God, for this woman. And so it was gaslighting all over the place. And, uh, and as a woman who seen how good he could be, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, you know, it, it, if we get help that maybe he'll, I'll get him back. I'll get the, the guy that I fell for back. There are some horrible things that are said. I know this from a girlfriend who told me her story. Mm -hmm. And until I heard it from her, I mean, it gives me chills Mm -hmm. right now, remembering the things that she was told. Mm -hmm. If you're comfortable so that our audience gets a better feel emotionally, how this feels, could you share some of those things with us? Absolutely. Um, He would degrade me. Um, He wanted me to be a stay-at-home wife. Again, through counseling, I learned some things about that um, because he took me out of um, everyday life and separated me from other people. Um, but he would constantly, um, you know, throw out derogatory terms and call me, uh, uh, you know, derogatory names. Um, and uh, but again, after so, it was always you'd get a love note sent or some flowers and, and, um, but very derogatory where you, you know, this is someone that's supposed to love you. So you intake that into your heart. Words are powerful. You can't take them back. You can say, I'm sorry, but you can't take them back. They're already embedded. It affected me as a woman and it affected me as a mother as well. Cause again, I'm trying, I raised my children or my boys, to walk like men on this earth and um, that um, they had things that I had instilled in them, yet I'm enduring the things that I had taught my children. So um, it that, that weighed heavy on my heart because I'm carrying this um, and not letting them know they're grown men. And um, so I carried that, but um, it it started um, progressing and more, it would be more frequent. And um, again, I just kept going back to um, the statements, the statement that he made about the hand towels and, and uh, that if he just go, went into counseling and, and, and maybe, maybe he needed to be on medication. I didn't know. So, yeah. Did you cry? All the time yeah. during that. Now, counseling, I wouldn't let myself cry. Um, my counselor would encourage me. It's okay to cry. You know, even when I was in the middle of counseling, I would 
shut down when I started to feel a teardrop. Um, and we worked through that. Again, counseling, we worked through that. And um, Did he see you cry? He did see me cry, um, and uh, it didn't face him at all. Yeah. yeah. And that's hard to comprehend because, again, when you have someone that you think loves you, and then where's the empathy? I kept thinking, where's your empathy? Um, and it, it, it started to feel like it was almost a game with him. So I started to, to see these things slowly. But I always go back to my vows. And then I also went back to the fact that there's something deep rooted there. So again, this is all about your comfort mm-hmm. level. But can you talk about the intimacy? The intimacy was really it, it was okay. I mean, um, it's, it was good. That's, again, that's kind of the confusion of it. But um, you'll learn later on in my story a little bit more about uh, intimacy. But um, um, it, that's, that's the thing. It was good, but I could see that he was changing. Um, but as far as the sexual situation, everything was good. And um, I really can't say anything until later on. It you know, started to change a little bit. Tell us a little more about the isolation. Well, he definitely, um, you know, one, he, he would call, my girlfriend said, what in the world? This man will, it will call you constantly. What are you doing? Where are you at? What are you wearing? What you, and I looked at it as being adored. I looked at it as being, you know, he thinks I'm beautiful. I, you know, I looked at it as I have someone that cares enough that wants to know what my days is. And my girlfriend was like, okay, this isn't normal, you know? Um, and I just felt like, wow, you know, she's jealous. She hasn't had anybody in a while. And, you know, um, but he liked that. And I'll give you an example without using the name of, um, the, the volunteer service that I wanted to do, but look, you can only do laundry so much and you're, and you're with your husband. So there, the house is spotless. There's no one else to mess it up. So you get kind of bored. And, um, so I, on my own, I thought about volunteering, um, and, uh, I met with the gentleman at the the place and we talked and he said, you know, I, I think I see something in you. And, um, I said, oh, okay. And, um, so I, we talked about volunteering in the hours and what have you. Well, I got home and he was off shift and, um, I did it when he was on shift, but, um, the gentleman, um, wrote me an email and said, I'd really like to talk to you about a position that I think that you would do amazing in. And, um, I would like to meet you for coffee and we can discuss it. That was it. It was rough. He went off. And, um, you know, no, I make enough money to buy you everything that you need, want and desire. Um, if this is a paid position and then it was just, you're not volunteering. You don't need to volunteer. If you want to come to, there's no reason I make enough money. You have everything that you want. And, but I reached out to do something for myself. So that got shot down. And, um, so that was part of the isolation too. And when he was off, I mean, he didn't leave my side, you know, he was right there next to me. Um, he just didn't, he didn't do things with other people or anything like that. And I think, well, I know he expected me to be the same way. So as the days went by, um, and months, um, 
it started to get physical. Uh, there were some things that he would do out in public that would embarrass me. So I'd wait till we got home. Um, if we were um, in a grocery store and a gentleman looked my way, he would make a huge scene. I would beg him, please don't do that. You're embarrassing me. So when we get, when we would get home, then I'd try to speak to him about it. And then that's when the physical started happening, you know. Was he confrontational, like, with the gentleman? Absolutely. Oh, really? And very embarrassing. Are you looking at my wife with uh, other choice words? Or what? Don't you see that diamond ring on her finger? Doesn't that mean anything to you? Because it's this is my wife. So, but at this point, I'm no longer looking at that as ad- admiration. I'm looking at this as embarrassing and something is not right here. So um, when we get home, I would address it. And um, that's when the physical started with the pushing and the pulling and, um, you know, me making dinner and him coming behind me and just, you know, slapping the back of my head. And, you know, I would turn around and, you know, what would, what are you doing? Why would you, why are you doing that? You know, and he's like, you need to understand that I'm the one in this house that makes the decisions. And if I speak to someone outside this house, you need to represent me and, you know, follow my, my lead. And so I just shut down and be quiet and make dinner and, and then pray over dinner. My, my wife, thank you. The whole situation again with the, um, you know, bring, bring the prayer in and all of that. So did did you all go to church? It sounds like prayer was kind of a normal. We did. We did go to church. And um, later on in my story, um, and I I wondered, you know, at the time, like, what is going on? But, um, yeah, we did. We attended services every Sunday that he was off. We'd pick a church and go to. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a big part. So the physical started by different little things and what have you. Um, and it got real bad. Um, um, one example, um, one example was he, uh, I never carry cash in my purse. Um, we have debit, we have a joint account. I mean, he knew he had everything. I had everything. Um, and, uh, he came in and uh, I had a dressing room that had my clothes and shoes and whatnot, but he came in and he said, I need $20. And I said, um, I don't have cash. And he goes, yes, you do. And I said, no, I don't. But I said, we're both on the same account, you know, just get it out on the account, you know, on your way into work. So I turned and I, I was walking into the room, the dressing room. And the next thing you know, he came around the corner, grabbed the top of my forehead, and he was shoving $20 bills down my throat, way down my throat to where I, I thought, I'm going to die because I can't breathe. I mean, literally, and he's grabbing me. And so finally, you know, I, I, I'm trying to fight him off. And in, in my head, I'm thinking, what are you doing? This isn't, um, so I fell to the ground and he left the room and, um, I went into a fetal position. Um, and I thought this is not good. And who, what, what can I do about this? I can't go to my sons. They're going to be like, you know, mom. You taught us that we can't even, you know, touch a woman, you know, and make, and I thought, what, what am I going to do? Um, and I remember being in that fetal position and, and, uh, so I slept there in the dressing room and he slept in the bedroom and then I let him go to work without me getting up and making breakfast and a note on the counter. Um, I think I might need help. Um, I just got mad at you because I thought you, you had money. 
we had a joint account. He he's open to see everything. And uh, so again, doing something and then coming back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He got mad at me because I said something about his phone um, and that those who have nothing to hide, hide nothing. So um, my phone is available for him to look through. Um, he was very protective of his phone. Um, and I made a statement and we were leaving to go to dinner and I'm in what, four or five inch hills, you know, in a dress, pushed me down the stairs. He ran down to the bottom of the stairs and pulled me by my hair to get me up. And he's like, now, can we go to dinner? So, um, yeah, we went to dinner and I was quiet. Why are you so quiet? You know. If I go to a doctor and I say, what they're going to say, well, how did that happen? Did he ever apologize in person? He did. He did. And on his knees, you know, I'm sorry, you know, just, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. on his knees. And, you know, this this, this isn't me. Was his family around? Uh, like, did you do holidays or anything? We did, and we did holidays with my family. Um, my boys grew closer. Um, he he went to um, all the weddings, and he uh, was there for the birth of my first grandchild. And uh, so my children... Um, let their guard down, as they say now, that they didn't know that, but they let someone in and they had let someone in close. So um, it just kept getting worse. Um, and and uh, I tried to get him to go to counseling. Uh, we ended up going to counseling and uh, she was saying things that he didn't like. So that was the end of that, which I knew it was going to kind of go there because no one wants to be you know, told that they have to work on themselves or what have you. Um, I continued to go um, and um, didn't tell her what was going on, just that we were having marital problems and, and what have you. Um, because I know she has also, she needs, she has the obligation to to tell. So, um, but um, it, it proceeded to keep on. Abuse started in January um, and then this was April. Um, the following year of April, my grandson was born. I was going to watch him. And the deal was, and this is where my children come into play a lot. Um, you know, he set my, my kids down one time at a barbecue and said, all right, you need to have your babies in the seven years because we're going to be retired. So if you want your mom to watch the babies, then get busy as a joke, you know, get busy or what have you. So here's our first grandchild. So mom's going back to work. I get to watch the grandchild. Um, I uh, went downstairs and went in the garage. My son met me. I was standing there with my grandson. And of course, he's bringing half the nursery, even though up in the stairs, he's got his own nursery, but daddy's got to do what he's got to do. So, um, a young, uh, coworker walked in my garage. We live in a gated community. She wanted, uh, to see my husband because she had been having unprotected sex with him for seven months and there were six others. So at that point, I handed my grandson over to my son and said, go home. And of course, my son being the man that he is, absolutely not. I'm leaving you, mom back and forth for a few minutes on that. Give him the stink eye, the mom look. Everybody knows the mom look if you're a mom. Mm-hmm. 
So he did. He put the baby in the truck and he said, you're coming to my house. And I said, yes, I'm going to get my purse and keys, opened the door, called out for my husband. I said, I need some help. And he said, okay, babe, I'll be right there. And so when he came out the garage door, she was standing there and I said, I believe she would like to speak to you. I went ahead and got my keys and my purse. And when I was coming out, of course, he was using derogatory language and towards her. I don't know you. I don't know who you are and what have you, which didn't matter to me at that point. But um, I said that I will meet you back here at two o'clock and we'll talk about financials. And um, I left. So two o'clock came around that day and I am sitting at the table with all the financials out wanting to go to the divorce attorney afterwards. And I text him, are you coming? And um, he said, yes. I said, okay, waiting. He didn't show up, but all of a sudden I hear this loud knock. I mean, like the door was going to come down. And I thought, uh-oh, maybe I made a mistake by wanting to meet him, have him come and meet me. But um, bang, bang, bang on the door. He's got a key opened the door and there were three police officers and two um, detectives. And they said, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm okay. I'm okay. What, what? And I said, did I do something? And they're like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. You need to come down to the police station with us. And I said, I'm not going anywhere unless my sons are with me. So it seemed like I said that and poof, they were right there. But um, they said they would drive me to the police station. My son said, we'll take her. So we all went. My sons called my best friend. My best friend had known a little bit about what I had gone through. Not all of it, but a little bit. Um, so we got to the police station and the boys, um, of course, wouldn't leave their mother's side. And uh, so the detective was talking and said that uh, your husband made a mistake. Um, he thought that this was a Catholic church because for some reason he came in and started talking about abusing you, throwing you downstairs, pulling your hair, um, just on and on. And they're like, is any of this true? I have my boys in that room. So I said, no, none of it's true. And my girlfriend was sitting next to me. And so the detective, I think, could feel the vibe in the room. So he said, gentlemen, will you step out for a moment? We're going to let, you know, your mom be with her girlfriend. So when you can just stand right outside the door. So they did. And he said, I'm going to ask you again. He said, did any of this happen? And... I got quiet and my girlfriend looked at me and said, if you don't start talking, I am. And so I said, yes. And they said, okay. Um, and they, I, what I didn't say is before uh, the baby came um, to for a visit, I was going to take the baby out and he wanted to go. And I said, no, you don't have to go. This is before um, the, the woman came in the garage as well. So that morning he had shaken me. He's like, I'm going to go. Why can't I go? And I kept telling him, don't, you're hurting me. Don't, um, my son's coming and, um, I don't, I, you know, I don't want you to come. I'm just going to run out. I want to be by myself. And he was just grabbing me so hard. So long story short, when we were at the police station, do you have any bruises on you now? No, sir. Do you mind if we have a, a lady detective come in and, um, you, would you remove your shirt for her so we can make sure there's no bruises? 
And I said, sure, not even remembering because I'd been through so much, but not even remembering it. So, of course, when I took my blouse off, I was just black and blue. And um, so they said at that point that he was going to be under arrest for domestic violence. Can you tell us how you got help afterwards? Yes, um, they um, give you a packet with all kinds of resources in it. Um, the state attorney uh, did that, and um, it took me about three weeks. I thought I could do everything on my own. Um, first, let me go back as well. My children found out. They were devastated. Not devastated that um, I taught them different, and yet I was... Um, accepting abuse, but devastated that their mother had been hurt and treated the way that she was. Um, but I moved in with my son. Um, he wasn't going to have it any other way um, immediately and um, got a packet from the state attorney and um, the police uh, advocate. And um, they stated, you know, if you need help, it's here. If, you know, all kinds of resources are available. So Three weeks went by, and of course, I've got my my little grandson that's giving me unconditional love and was a godsend during this time. But after three weeks, I realized there's other things I can't deal with. It's it, there was so much coming up, and so at that point, I opened up the paperwork and I find a pamphlet with the Women's Center. So I called, and uh, I could barely speak. And they said, "Come in," and I said, "Okay." And um, I literally, when I say I crawled in there, obviously not on all fours, but broken, um, weak, uh, could barely speak. Um, they opened the doors and um, they set me in a room. And uh, of course, they had to get the information and what have you. And then that started my journey with uh, the Women's Center in counseling. I think that's amazing. And I know we have Lori here from the Women's Center who is going to share with you a little bit about what they do and have some conversation with Gail as well, as I think we all about have tears in our eyes from listening to what you have been through. Um, Lori, I'm going to go ahead and let you take it away. Thank you, Jen. As you said earlier on, I'm Lori Sutherland, Development Director for the Women's Center of Brevard. And we have Melbourne offices and we have Titusville offices. So we try to cover as much ground as we can in Brevard, but there is a lot of need. And Gail, your story was so compelling and it was really difficult to listen to. I'm so happy that the Women's Center had resources that you needed to get on track. And when you're a victim, you're not thinking straight and you think that you are strong and you can do it yourself. And some, some people may be able to, but you had severe manipulation, emotional manipulation happening to you. And that's where a lot of confusion can come in. And you mentioned that you had the honeymoon phase of your relationship at the beginning, which was extended. Four and a half years is a long time which gave your abuser the time to lay the groundwork 
for the manipulation. And I think when a victim is abused, it's kind of a shock to their system because I think intuitively we want to look at the good and victims quite often believe that the person is that person. But I will say this, the perpetrator is that person always. And they know how to use the mental manipulation to persuade the victim that they are decent and good. And that's that's why seeing the red flags and warning signs in relationships, whether it be a marriage, dating, other, you have to see the red flags early. Right. And getting out of an abusive relationship early makes a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. And um, and I'm happy to say uh, that I was with the Women's Center and it was once a week um, and it was my lifeline. Uh, and when I say that, it was, um, there were days that I didn't want to go, but I pushed myself to go. There were days that I couldn't get in there quick enough. Um, but the beauty of it is, um, you are able to uh, get resources from your counselor you and, and you are taught different ways of looking at things because you've been so manipulated that you don't know how to look at things a certain way. And um, every time that I went a little a little bit more, little by little, you know, we start, and that's what we, she said, it was going to be a process and it was a process. Um, but every time I walked out of there, I walked out with a goal for the next week. And I walked out with affirmations of the kind of woman that I am. And, um, it would lead me to want more mm-hmm. and to get better. And, um, and one of my other things that was very important towards the end of my journey with the Women's Center and that they helped me with this is uh, that I didn't want to, I wanted to love again. I didn't want to uh, deflect anything that I had been through on someone else. It's kind of like, why should I clean up someone else's mess? I didn't do it. So I wanted to be able to go through my life learning. I wanted to learn. Um, not how or how not to make someone else pay for something that they didn't do. So that was another journey um, in counseling to learn. And like you said, red flags. And boy, am I on top of my red flags now. Yeah. Not to a detrimental type situation, but more so um, just being aware. And also the center taught me boundaries. A lot of women think boundary, the word boundary is a bad word. Um, and that could be in um, a dom- domestic violence situation, a relationship. It could be in uh, with your children. Boundaries are a work not, situation, a, wor- a work situation, friendship, friendship. Boundaries are healthy in right. many different relationships mm-hmm. that you have. Absolutely. And I'm glad that our counseling services gave you the tools to step by step rebuild your self-esteem mm-hmm. because that's key that you have right. to rebound and realize that you are a strong person mm-hmm. and then admit to the manipulation. And earlier when you were telling your story, you alluded to the fact that you were kind of in denial mm-hmm. and you didn't want to say it out loud. You didn't want people to know because victims quite often feel embarrassed. Right. And even though it's not their fault, they feel embarrassed and quite often they are coerced into believing that it's their fault. Right. right. So that that is 
psychological mm-hmm. manipulation. Mm-hmm. And another point that you made that was really um, very important to me as a domestic violence advocate mm-hmm. is the isolation. That is a very large factor. And you can misconstrue that as flattery. Absolutely. And I want you to stay home. I make the money. Mm -hmm. That's all about the abuser's ego, by the way. Right. Why do you need to do anything else? But then that's chipping away slowly at your identity Mm -hmm. and who you are. And that's a red flag too. And I think also people are confused sometimes when there's emotional abuse and psychological abuse because physical abuse is obviously right there, bruises Mm -hmm. and someone grabbing you, physically shaking you. That is shocking. And that's where emotional manipulators can have an edge on really getting their claws into the victim Mm -hmm. by um, using those tactics to continue the abuse which your story is a classic tale of escalation. Right. Where the abuse just kept getting worse and more violent into physical violence. Right. And I think that, um, and again, it, it, you know, I brought paperwork today, um, the little things that I got from the Women's Center. And if, if you could see them, they're all torn and, and rippled. But uh, it's daily affirmations. Um, and I will tell you that um, I, I continue to use these. And um, I, I also continue um, all the things that, that they gave me. I have a notebook. And, and uh, when I feel like I need to revisit that, I do. And um, all of it was uh, amazing, amazing things. Uh, different ways that you because you start to break down situations differently because you start to question things um, and they're not true so you have to kind of dissect them and say did they really mean it that way because you're so used to being you know manipulated that you don't know you're always thinking that they're not telling the truth questioning yourself questioning you have to retrain the way you think. think exactly and that's exactly what they had me do and then we talked you know and then you have triggers and you know you get taught how to deal with triggers different ways that you can deal with them um, and they teach you different ways. And maybe my way isn't going to work for another woman or a man, um, but they'll find that way where you can self-soothe yourself in a situation that you find. Mine happened to be um, that I heard sirens um, and that would trigger me. Or, um, and I'll share this, um, this is, you know, I'm two years away from um, being at the Women's Center, but I guarantee you if I called up and said I need some help, they would be there for me. Um, however, uh, I just uh, got out of a work situation because the, it changed hands and I could see the manipulation of this gentleman and I could see it reminded me too much and it was... Um, I was strong enough to see that and say, no, I'm not working under these situa- this situation. You know, I am stronger and I need to put myself in healthy situations. And you so, deserve better. Absolutely. And um, so I'm no longer there and I know that the door is going to be open somewhere else. And, um, you know, but that would be something that I would have never thought of. I would have never had uh, the strength or would have ha- never had the... Um, the tools to see that, you know, he's doing this. He's, you know, now I can see that. Um, and I have had some, um, successful dating, uh, situations where, um, I know that, uh, the tools that I were, that I've been given, I've been able to use and, um, 
So there, there is a future after this. There's you, you, you can be happy again. Um, but I will tell you, you have to do your homework too. Your counselor can work with you and work with you and work with you. But, um, you, you have to love yourself enough to follow through on some of the things that they ask you to do your assignments or, um, you know, just, just being able to uh, relate. And, and it's so funny because it's like a light bulb moment where you're like, I don't know what this paper means and I don't know what she's getting at. But then finally it clicks and it's like a light bulb. And then there's another lesson to, that you just learn to better yourself and to have a future. And, and I give you happy. credit for taking the step to come and get help. Right. And then understanding that it's a process mm-hmm. and it doesn't, just happen overnight. The healing can be slow. And you had the fortitude to stay with the plan. You kept coming to your counseling sessions Mm -hmm. and you got to where you are. And that is a real success story. Mm -hmm. So victim advocacy is where we first start with somebody. So you came in as a victim, you had a victim advocate that worked with you, and then you were referred to counseling. Everything is a process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when people come in, I think they're, they're kind of surprised because we have to, you know, get all your information. Everything, you know, needs mm-hmm. to be documented, which is so important. Right, right. So important. And our victims are that important to us that right. we make sure we do it properly. Mm-hmm. And everything goes with a plan. Right. It goes and with a plan. That's exactly what happened is, is uh, I called an intake, but, um, you know, and she was so kind and sweet and she let me take my time and what have you. And you're right. She got all the information and then they did set me up with an, with an appointment. Um, and I want to say it's been a while. It's been a while, but I want to say that I got in that day. Um, it was pretty, pretty bad, <laughs> but um, they uh, worked around everything. I mean, it was just, it was a godsend. Um, and I look back and little did I know, you know, that I would be an, such a big advocate. But um, and to be able to share my story like this when I first walked in there, who would know, you mm-hmm. know, and just the the uh, just being able to um, reach back, which is what I taught my my children is always reach back if you can. And I, I hope that this will help um, others that are listening and um, that they know that it might not happen right away, that there is a, a, a journey that you take. And, um, but there is light at the tunnel and the light can be bright again and you can find yourself worth and you can uh, find happiness again and you become uh, an advocate for yourself by learning boundaries. Mm-hmm and, um, different, different things that they teach you. And, um, yeah, so I do hope that that there's someone out there that this helps, uh, my story helps with them. And, um, and again, um, that they, that they can reach out for help if they need it. Jen, if I can elaborate more on our other services, I'd yes. love to do that. Yes, please. I'm so passionate about the Women's Center and what we do. And it's so inspiring to me to be sitting here face to face with a person that we've really helped come out of a really difficult situation and flourish and have bravery to talk about it, to share your story with other people. So in addition to our victim advocacy services, uh, we also have our counseling, which I know has helped you a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'd like everyone in Brevard County to know that we have housing 
We have transitional housing and we have a program where we can help our victims have a safe place to live and build skills to be responsible and take care of themselves. And quite often we have victims with children that come and stay in our transitional housing units. And we also run the only rape crisis center in Brevard County, which a lot of people don't know, which is a huge endeavor for us, but it's that important. And we work with the local hospitals and we have 24 hour, seven days a week, rape crisis um, intervention and um, somebody that's always there on call to talk to somebody who needs help. So that's a, that's a really important part of what we do as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we also have prevention services. And quite often when you think back on it, it's like seeing those red flags when you're made aware, when you're made aware of the red flags and the warning signs, that's where prevention comes in. And I think that's really important. And then simply talking about it and sharing your story makes a very big difference in people's lives. Because when people are abused, they, they get used to a certain situation and they don't even realize it. And quite often victims will stay in toxic abusive relationships because of children, because of finances, because of housing, because of pets. True. A lot of people don't want to leave because they don't want to leave their pets. So there are so many factors involved. But the Women's Center is here for victims in Brevard County. And it's easy. Just get on our website, www.womenscenter.net. And I know Jen is putting that on your own website so people can refer to your website to um, contact us. And then that can start your journey. And there's all the information for the different offices, um, phone numbers, et cetera. And um, to get it started and don't be afraid. And Gail, you're a success story. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm and very again, inspired by you. Thank you. And again, um, I wouldn't be where I am today without the women. Center, and I, I, I just hope that, like I said, that this opens up someone's um, eyes, and um, that they can understand that there is light, light at the end of the tunnel, and that there is uh, resources there for them to use. Lori, would you give your website one more time? Yes, I will. It's www.womenscenter lowercase, no spaces, <laughs> .net, Women's Center. And it has all the information you need explaining our programs, victim stories, which are, of course, anonymous that we share, the phone numbers for both of our offices to get your journey started to healing. And again, that's for men, women, and For children. men, women, and children, yes. And we do have male victims that come in. And if I can just make a little sidebar point about that, Statistically, most victims are women and girls, but men are victims also. And a, a reason that the numbers are lower for men is because men don't want to admit that they're being abused by a woman and that's, and they feel like they're being weak, but it's not weakness. And I've seen plenty of situations where men are abused in relationships. I'm glad that you brought that up because um, when when I did finally start to date again, um, you know, you don't know whether to share your story or not. And um, this person I started to have a relationship with, I felt comfortable. As I shared my story, he looked at me and he said, I am too. And I said, what? 
And he said, I am too. And then he shared his story. And uh, we had that in common. But I would have never thought that. But and I did. I said, thank you for bring, being brave enough to share that with me, because some men, like you said, wouldn't want to share that. They think that they would be less than or they're supposed to be the man and handle everything and all of that. But, um, yeah, it does happen in men as well, unfortunately. So. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Any victim should know that there's help for them. Absolutely. And it just takes the one step of contacting the Women's Center, and then we will guide them through their journey of recovery. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lori. Gail, would you like to share one or two affirmations with us today? And I can tell you, I'm looking at her paper and it has been well used. It's It's a living document. I can tell you use it a lot. So yes, please share a couple with us. Absolutely. I'm going to share, again, this is a handout that my counselor gave me and uh, it's called Affirmation for Self-Esteem. So you say, what I am. I am lovable and I am capable. I fully accept and believe in myself just the way I am. I accept all the different parts of myself. It's good for me to take time for myself. I have good qualities. Those are some of those uh, affirmations and there's a whole list and half of it's missing because again, I've used it so much, but I'll go on to uh, another thing that she gave me and it's building self-esteem through positive affirmations and it's learning how to become your best, your own best friend. So, um, you know, physical activity, taking a walk outside, they talk to you about abdominal breathing. They'll teach you these things. They'll teach you ways. Um, they'll also teach you, like, if your mind goes into a certain place to shout, stop. You, you, the, the, the whole thing about shouting stop, um, is another way of being able to stop those, um, those uh, memories or those uh, things that you don't want to go through again. Also snapping a rubber band against your wrist. um, It slows you down and makes you think I'm not there. If you're putting yourself in a situation where you used to be and a trigger comes, snap that rubber band and it puts you right into reality. These are the things that they offer at the Women's Center. And um, again, I can't say enough um, about the uh, the journey. And, and I'm proud to say I did come in as a victim, but I am a survivor. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to say one other thing is I have a a friend who was in a abusive relationship for a few years and she had one question she could never get figured out and it was what was real the past matter years of my life what what was real so she went to therapy the therapist told her your feelings everything that you felt was real so true and i did the same thing i didn't know where the starting point was where did my life start? Did it start at the very beginning or did it start in the middle of the honeymoon? I mean, what was real? When did I get, when did I start getting the rug slipped out from underneath me? Um, and then I realized again through counseling, it, it doesn't matter. I was in, I was there. I knew what I was thinking. I knew what I was doing. And, and it's, it's something that I could work on and get over. And, and I did so, but you're right. She, it, I did ask myself that too, because you feel like you were living this great, wonderful life. And then all of a sudden it was just 
pulled out from underneath you and everything that you knew was not. Yes. So where did it end and where did it begin? And where was I, where was he happy? Where was I happy? Yes. Yes. Acknowledging and understanding our feelings Mm -hmm. are important. Mm -hmm. Ladies, if you don't have anything else to add, I'm going to close here by number one saying big thank you. You're welcome. To both of you, I am always a resource. My pleasure. If you you ever need anything. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, This is Jen Lee with I Need Blue. Thank you for listening today. Again, if you are a victim of violence, we hope this information moved you, instilled some confidence in pursuing that help. You too can become a survivor of domestic violence, sexual abuse. Visit www.ineedblue.net for local resources, the Women's Center, or call your local police. Again, you find this episode on www.ineedblue.net or all of your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for listening.